Hello, I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Georgia Lynn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 45, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to prove farm sustainability. With drones high on the list for Christmas gifts this year, for both young and old, what practical things are people using them for? One innovative EPA-funded project has found a way to take a two-litre water sample using a drone in order to help sampling become more efficient. A first for any research team in Europe. Senior lecturer and researcher in freshwater ecology and biology, Dr. Heather Lally from the Atlantic Technological University, Galway, tells us more. I actually have um, a background in environmental science, so I've always found this useful because it's quite broad. Um, So I'm interested in lots of different things, um, but at the moment I'm predominantly focusing on water quality and chemical analysis of rivers and lakes. And then I'm also involved in a number of ecological restoration projects, and they're predominantly focused on blanket bogs um, here in the west of Ireland. So say, for example, two um, of the research projects I'm involved in at the moment are up in Wild Nathan National Park in North Mayo. And there we're looking at the water chemistry of pools and lakes, um, but we're also looking at taking baseline uh, data from Nathan Forest, which is a large area of conifer trees, roughly 4,000 hectares that is due to be uh, restored back to uh, different habitats, predominantly woodland and blanket bog over the next decade. So it's environmental science has been a good platform because it has allowed me to have a, quite a broad, I suppose, research interests or area of interest, um, I suppose, so you're, you're used to being out and about anyway, taking lots of samples, getting lots of hardship and in, in all sorts of elements and areas. And I see you have a really unique project here. Um, I suppose we're coming up to our Christmas time. So lots of people are going to be getting drones maybe for Christmas. But um, you're, you're, you're the first, you come up with a project where you're one of the first, you are the first people in Europe to take a two litre water sample using a drone. And um, I work a lot with catchment scientists and they're always whinging about having to get into rivers and get into orca places. So you've come <laughs> up with a novel idea so I suppose, can you tell me a little bit about um, you know, about how common it is maybe and, and where did you get the idea from? Yeah, so I suppose it's coming off the back of being interested in, in taking water samples. And as you say, like normally you have to trek quite a bit to, to get these samples. Um, but in 2017, uh, the EPA issued a research call looking for um, research groups to give back proposals on whether you could develop um, a drone sampling monitoring tool um, so essentially could you get drones to go out and take water samples and this in their particular case it was looking at it for lakes so we put um, a proposal together and we've been lucky to to win that proposal and from that then we have built and designed um, a custom payload that attaches to um, a drone and then is able to go out and take two liter water sample from the middle of lakes um, and I suppose previous research predominantly in the US has always looked at taking smaller quantities of water because they just wanted a trial could it work but here in Ireland uh, under the water framework directive we actually require quite a large volume of water to come back for our research labs Um, and so then we've settled on on two litres for that uh, and we've been lucky enough to be able to get it which is great. Yeah, and is there was there some sort of a background in drones in the university already, or where where did you come across it, or have you used drones before? No, at the time, uh, it certainly would have been kind of more of a, a novel aspect for us. Um, we had um, kind of been using phantoms in terms of looking at monitoring seabirds and estimating kind of or giving precision to kind of seabird colony counts. 
but we hadn't kind of ventured into kind of making devices to go with the drones and we certainly hadn't kind of gone into the water sampling aspect of it so it was kind of a new adventure for us as well um, and I suppose when I started researching it I looked I did look a lot to to the groups that were in the US there was three key groups in the US at the time that were kind of had just started their journey um, and so we kind of learned from kind of some of the limitations that they had picked up and then try to apply it to us. I suppose out of the groups at the time when we were making it, we would have been the first group that would have been from a water chemistry sampling background and an ecology background in terms of rivers and lakes. Whereas the groups in the US are, you know, they're um, electronical engineers. So they're, they're into making the drone and making the attachments and not, I suppose, overly worried about the water quality of the samples coming back, whereas we were really worried about that. And I suppose it allowed us to get something then that was able to match what you would do from a manual boat sampling protocol. So I think that's, I suppose, the advantage for us is we understood the, the values coming back um, from, the, from the lab a little bit better. Sounds like a marriage made in heaven because <laughs> when, when I was working research in Johnson Castle, we were looking at urine patches and using sensors to, to monitor um, different things. But the one issue we had was we, we didn't have that that engineering experience and it made things so difficult. And I see you you're, you mentioned in your, in your project, you're working with Professor Olaf Jensen from University of Wisconsin. Um, was he what was he using drones for? What's what what where what skills does he bring to the table? I suppose or knowledge. Yeah, so Olaf uh, is kind of looking at um, the use of drones in Mongolia. And here he was looking at seeing, could you monitor kind of a large, the largest trout species we have uh, in the world, uh, Taman. And essentially he was using kind of a phantom um, to fly back and forth over the river and see, could you get images of this quite large fish? So then you'd be able to estimate, say, population size. But then you would also, from those images, you can get more data. So you can get the length of them um, without having to actually capture them. And you could also get the condition, what their health was like from just getting an image of their skin, essentially. So he kind of had already been out in the field and he had picked up quite a lot of experience, again, on limitations to what the drones can actually do. Um, and so then when I met him and uh, when he was in Ireland on sabbatical, it was kind of like he was kind of at least he had that experience of the field. And that was really valuable when we decided we wanted to go into the field here to trial our system. Um, making something in the workshop and having it on paper is nice. But when you actually go out to the side of the lake and you decide you want to put all of this money up in the sky, that's not waterproof over a lake. Um, you know, it can get a bit like... Uh, nervous so uh, his experience in that was really useful and and you know just getting to getting me to think about other aspects I needed to take into consideration um but to be fair um things seem to be you know things are windier in Mongolia there's more sand particles in the air so there, there was other aspects that I suppose we didn't need to consider as much but uh, wind is definitely an issue here for us and rain. So I suppose it's just getting me to think uh, a little bit further uh, about what I was going to do in the field. So that was useful, to be fair. So put an umbrella on the top of the drone. <laughs> yeah, and, and try and yeah, not get it wet. So it's, yeah. it's a touch and go there sometimes yeah. as well. So I suppose um, the, the project when you're going out to sample um, sample water, what, what does it look like? Where does it start? Do you go out with your drone? Do you, do you fly it or how, how does it work? Or what's, what's attached to the drone? 
Yeah, so basically we um, have um, a DJI Mater 600 Pro, so it's kind of a, a quite a large drone. It, it weighs 10 kg itself, so like you're not going to be going too far with it. Um, and then to that drone, we attach um, a custom-made um, payload system that would carry the water samples essentially back for us. Um, so for all intensive purposes, it looks like... Um, a boat-shaped box underneath the drone that then it, it, it is flown out to the site. Um, in terms of when you arrive at a lake, um, you set up the drone, um, you get your batteries warm, and then you trigger um, the, you attach the, the payload itself, and you put in your two water sampling bottles. We normally prior to going on fieldwork would have a, a location in mind. Um, normally these locations are with are 100 metres offshore. So you're not going out to the limits of where the drone can go, but you're making sure that you can retrieve it if, if there's an, an incident. Um, we fly within 15 metres of the water column as well. So we're not very high up in the air. Um, it's just enough for essentially the drone with the payload and a safety tether to go out across the water. And when we do get to the sampling location, we are landing the box essentially um, on the water column. And that gives us more stability to manage the drone, especially when you're out on say large lakes like we were with Loch Mask, we've got quite a lot of wind coming across it. Um, so the drone hovers um, while the, the box then is activated from shore. Um, we would activate a water pump to take the water samples. So these samples then are the, the two litres fill in series. And then in, there's also, um, in our particular scenario, we attached a YSI sand. So that would take real-time data for us in the fields like pH, conductivity, temperature, and dissolved oxygen. And we were able to see that data when we were on the shore. So we knew, one, that the system was working and operational when it's offshore. And we can also see that the, the temperature, we can see the pH. So we know the system is operating correctly and, and the, the, the values have been recorded. That's super, actually. That um, just before you on, I suppose yeah. that's really super that you have real time data straight away without going back to a lab. Because um, I, I know it's it's very applicable to rivers as well when you're looking at pH conductivity, so you can pick up pollution incidents uh, in real time. Um, can one other thing you mentioned the custom payload? What is that? Just to, for to explain to people, payload is as it's kind of the technical term that's used within the drone world for anything that's attached to the drone so the you can attach anything so like a camera would be a payload as well um so for us it was our boat shaped box oh massive yeah and so you get to that you take you take the sample and then what happens then so you have your real-time data is that stored in, in does that bounce back to a phone or a laptop or is that stored within the drone i have it set up in both ways because you never know like if you don't want to lose the data so it actually saves on the device on the payload itself through a YSI Go and then it's also beamed back to a laptop and then we download it straight away as well so we make sure it's kind of like triple backed up because everything's electronic on site then and, and you're dealing with water you don't want an issue if the electronics get wet on the payload or that your laptop battery dies when you're on the side of the shore so I, I've set it up both ways to make sure that no matter what happens it's going to be on the sand and, and then you can download that when you get back to the lab and in, in terms of if it was being applied to like you know a large number of lakes and you were doing 10 or 12 lakes a day 
and you wouldn't need to be downloading it in the manner I was, but it'd be saved on the sand. And then, you know, at the end of the day or at the end of the week, you'd be able to download all your data when you get back to the office. So in trying to make it applicable in a real world consultancy scenario, I suppose, as well. Yeah. And you have, so you're, you're out on the lake, you have your two litre sample. What happens next then? So it's, I presume you have a container where it's stored and then you fly back in, is it? Yeah. So it sits in the middle of the payload to allow for the weight. Um, And once the two bottles are filled, it triggers an overflow system and we can see the overflow system then from shore. So we know that everything's ready to go. We've got all our data, we've got all our water, and then we bring the drone home essentially. Um, and that's kind of essentially so it's a it's taken about four minutes for us to take our, our water sample and then it's a six minute flight in total by the time you fly out land and then fly back yeah. so it's a very fast system compared to you know launching a boat you wouldn't launch the boat in six minutes nearly yeah and is that two samples you can take then when you're out or is that one sample at a time um, that's two samples together. So you'll have two litres coming back and then, yep. yeah, you can do triplicates then if you want or whatever number yep. of samples you want, yeah. And you mentioned about the boat and the time. Um, is is What are the main advantages to doing this? To put, I suppose the, the resources for having a boat and all the health and safety stuff around it, is that one of the main ones or is there other things as well, advantages compared to conventional methods of sampling? From an operational perspective, definitely the, you know, the fact that you wouldn't need to have a boat uh, you don't need all the health and safety requirements around it um, and the insurance for actually having that boat out in the water are massive gains essentially. You also have a human resources um, benefit because you don't need as many people like this can be operated by one person um, which is a, a massive advantage um, but I suppose from a, a, you know a key resource that we have found when we did our cost benefit analysis was that it was going to save time like if you have two people out on a boat and two people using the drone we found that when we compared our methodologies it was 2.3 times faster and that's a massive gain you know if you were looking at the the number of lakes in this country that you would want to monitor or the number of rivers that you'd like to get monitored in in a summer period so this kind of has a knock-on impact then for cost because if you can sample more lakes in a day and sample more lakes in in a season then you know you're getting better value for money on those national monitoring programs so it speeds everything up and if you can sample those sites i suppose in a quicker way and you get your analysis to the lab you know in in two to three days you're able to tell if there's an issue so you're able to have a kind of a quicker response time to for particular locations that might be having an impact um so i think in those scenarios it quite it gives quite a number of benefits to be fair yeah if i'm sitting in the epa now and i'm director of dpa and i'm looking at this type of work and what you're saying to me now i'm getting very excited you've seen the epa water quality report come out it's not great uh, we've a lot of work to do by 2027 to meet our targets um and they've called for additional resources to be put into monitoring and obviously assessments of, of different areas but um you could effectively go out and we, we're all familiar with i suppose uh the guy or girl on the bridge leaning over taking a sample out now you can head out with your drone and you can fly it up at different parts of the river without getting out of your jeep for kilometers i presume take your samples back in really quickly that must be dpa must be getting very excited with the potential of this yeah like it's definitely going to be a, a massive kind of tool that they'll be able 
use, I suppose, in the future. Um, the, the biggest ability, of course, in the future will be for large lakes where you can maybe potentially be on at one location and get a number of samples from, from around the lake without having to drive around it. And that'll be of massive benefit when you look at large lakes here in the West, like Carob, Loch Mask. You know, you'd be the whole day sampling it. Um, and I think it'll also allow more lakes to come into national monitoring programs for the EPA because now you'll be able to get to sites that don't have slipways, ones that are remote in mountainous regions and and certainly kind of for those type of lakes where we probably don't have any information um kind of seeing what is the water quality up there um so i think it would be really benefit it like they'll use i suppose a number of tools as they go forward for for the next round of kind of water framework directive monitoring programs and i think drones will be useful if initially they don't use them for water sampling you know there's a camera on these drones, on all drones, so they're still able to pick up quite a lot of visual data when they're out and about using them. Um, and that would be useful in terms of looking at critical source areas, point sources, um, and then even more so just from taking imagery for nuisance algaes, um, invasive species. So there'll definitely be a tool we'll see the EPA use. Um, you know, if, if it's not for water sampling, they'll certainly be able to incorporate them into their monitoring programs. I think uh, if we see drones now delivering cups of coffee to people, I'm sure they're going to be using them for this type of work. But is, is there a rollover project uh, that you're going to be involved in, do you think, or is it stopped? Um, at the moment, we don't have a rollover project. Uh, we have trialed it in the marine environment kind of ourselves because, um, you know, one of the things was we were focused on lakes for that project. And it would be great to see like how applicable it is uh, in other environments and particularly for estuaries and for rivers, you know, where you've got fast moving water um, and seeing how stable we can get it and does the sampling methodology hold up there. So I think we have plenty of ideas uh, for the next round of funding. I can see the practical application for this working really well, actually. Um, for, for the type of work that we do, um, you're on just one water body and they're, they're constantly going bridge to bridge to bridge looking for conductivity, looking for different things. You could have all that done really quickly. Even if you never took a sample, you could do just dip in the river, see what's going on, go to the next point, next point. Yeah. And now in the last two years with COVID, like we've got real good time, real time nitrate and phosphate sensors. Yeah. So actually I'd take off the ones that are on it and put on those type of ones. And then as you say, you don't even need to take a water sample. You just dip it in and then you're able to get your nitrates and phosphates well, straight you, away. You have real time sensors going on there now as well. Are they yeah. are they accurate or how accurate are they? Yeah, no, to... they're really good. Yeah, because we actually sent all our samples to the lab, including the pH and everything. Yeah. And everything comes back the same. So it worked really well. In, in but we use the exact same system on the boat. So yeah. sometimes when people are making methodological differences, they have a different probe on the boat. So we used everything the same. But as well, I wouldn't see them as replacing somebody. And I think that's also the other side of that coin. People are worried if they start using yeah. them, they won't need people. But like at the end of the day, they're only as good as the guy flying it and the guy interpreting it on the other side. And they're still skills you need to have. So I don't think it replaces people. It just adds to what you can do. Anyone that's into technology like me, scientists would be delighted when that kind of project works. So look, I really enjoyed the chat today and I think it's it's great what work you're doing and I hope to see some drones flying around the future doing some extra work for us and wish you and your family a very happy Christmas. Same to you, Cahill. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. We'd like to wish all our listeners a very happy Christmas and thanks to Dr. Heather Lally, Senior Lecturer and Researcher in Freshwater Ecology and Biology at the Atlantic Technological University Galway for joining us on the show. 
don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Carl Summers. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability. <laughs>